I'm stuck. <laughs> Haley is stuck. <laughs> I'm not stuck anymore. Now she's unstuck. Hi. What's up, listeners? Hi. How it is and how it should be. How is it? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> right now, yell it out wherever you are. I'm Haley. I'm Alexis. And this is Hysterical History, a podcast about funny history in a comedic way from hysterical women. <laughs> ha ha. Aren't you funny? Ha. Aren't I funny? So, today we're going to talk about something that's not normally funny, which is slavery. Oh, I thought we were going <laughs> to talk about pineapple. I was a little no. um, caught off a little. <laughs> Got a little off guard. Pineapples a coming. No, today is slavery, but it's specifically funny slave escapes, which while slavery is not funny and escaping is harrowing, these are kind of funny, pretty funny, and uh, just like, they're mostly like smart, that I'm like, you're really thinking outside the box. Buckle up, listeners. And for some people, you're thinking inside the box. Buckle up. But before we do that, we got three emails this week. That's Holla. more than ever a week we've had. A new a new record of emails. Three whole emails this week. So many emails. From just lovely ladies, I'm pretty sure. They have female names. So let's, thanks, people. Let's find out, humans. <laughs> so our first one was from Maddie, who has sent us emails before. Hey, Maddie, what's up? Love you, Maddie. And she said to us, uh, hi, Alexis and Haley. Just been listening to the last couple episodes. Hysterical as always. Sorry I couldn't help myself. It's okay. We understand. We sign it. Hysterically yours. So clearly, <laughs> we like the joke. Your friend is right. You guys are getting great at podcasting, and it's really nice to hear the natural flow of your conversations rather than anything scripted. Seriously, it gets me through the workday. Yay. The, the friend she's referencing is Lane, who I mentioned said we were getting better, which mm. makes me really happy because he's very um, honest about <laughs> his opinions on things, which I appreciate. Um, also, what are you talking about, Maddie? This is 100% scripted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a real human. <laughs> we're just I, It's just me, and then I do a voice, and that's it. <laughs> Really good ventriloquism. Yeah, I yeah. throw my voice across to the other side of the microphone, and yeah. some, and I can do it at the same time as my own voice. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You can't see it, but there's a puppet here. <laughs> I'm the puppet. You're the puppet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we're glad it helps you through your work day, though. It was always the goal is that people can mm-hmm. listen to us and somehow makes your life more tolerable. Right. <laughs> Feel like you've got two friends in the room who are just like chatting about. Something fun, you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and you can learn some stuff. Yeah, we got a a review recently uh, that was like, this isn't funny, and they didn't like us. Um, But specifically, they were like, I was looking for, where's the meat of the podcast, basically. Like, they were they were like the like a really aggressive Arby's commercial. Yeah, <laughs> we got the Where, meat. Where's the meat? <laughs> we got the meats. Um, but they were clearly looking for something that was like very heavily researched and very uh, delivered in such a way where like the dissemination of information, I guess, was more direct. So they were in the wrong place. <laughs> And I'll let you all know, yeah. we are a comedy before history podcast. Yeah, I'm a puppet. <laughs> so, 
I can only do so much while I'm also throwing my voice yeah. and laughing as two different people. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard. You think laughing is a comedy, but it's a skill. Yeah. Especially when you have to throw your voice and do it twice. Yeah. There's only one one set of vocal there's cords so in much room. editing. It's so hard. Is the bit too far? I say as I edited this episode today while I did the dishes. Yeah. (laughs) So, whatever. Anyway, back to the email. Uh, She wants us to know that Great British Bake Off is back in the UK. Mm -hmm. And she hopes we get it soon in the US. One of my friends in my chat group said they were watching it. So apparently we have it. Or some way to watch it. Netflix got a new season on. That's probably what it is. Yeah. And they told us there's some characters this year that we should look out for, which I'm excited about. We'll send you an email, Maddie, as soon as we've seen some of it, and we can guess who the characters are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Although I'm sure it'll be obvious. She said, I really hope they do another historical challenge, just so I can hear you guys go off about it again. <laughs> yeah. Let's go off. I hope so. And now I've talked to you about the War of the Roses, and they were doing, like, Tudor rose swan things. Mm-hmm. So that was why I was like, this is good. And then yeah. other people were doing Da Vinci. Mexican-inspired. Mexico. <laughs> what? Okay. Um... And then she said, seriously, the Tudors weren't that spicy a period, but they did love their sugar and thought carrots and potatoes were the devil. Oh, my God. Just slam them. Why don't the Tudors, like, shouldn't the Tudors like tubers? It's, like, almost their name. Oh, it's like when your name sounds like something, you like that thing? Maybe. Like, you can make puns out of it. Mm. But maybe it's, like, people get their name confused with tubers all the time, and so then they hate it. That's why I like strychnine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about that uh, poison. Mm Mm-hmm. But you don't like when people think that's your name. No. Yeah. So that's probably what it is. Anyway, they also told us uh, there's a fun fact about General Santa Anna and that he has a sea shanty named after him. Oh, yeah. If you haven't listened to the Pastry War and Santa Anna, this won't, like, make... I mean, I guess it's not that confusing, but you should because it was a pretty good episode. Not to pat myself on the back. But he has a sea shanty named after him, sometimes spelled Santiana, which is all one word. And with an I in the middle. Or Santee with a Y space Anna. Uh, and has some lines in it that are actually more about American victories than Mexican ones. That's of so course. rude. That's so rude. That's like the most American thing we could do, though. Ugh. Just steal it. Uh, there's also a version of Spotify, they said, which changes the chorus from the plains of Mexico to California. Even more rude. And the French made a popular cover of it in the 60s with a different cover charting in the 2000s. Um, so there you go. That is the last straw. It's like, yeah, it's only people against Santa Ana who have <laughs> sung that song, changed it, and then made their own versions to yeah. be on the charts. Yikes. Cool. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be into it. No. Still not giving back your limb. And then Maddie asked a great question, which we wanted to let all of you know. Also, is there any other way to leave a review for the podcast apart from Apple Music? I don't have it, but want to leave a review, and I keep procrastinating as I am the worst. You're not the worst. We love you. Um, I've actually forgotten what other websites you guys are on. Please help. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, the best place you can leave us a review is on iTunes, which I know is annoying because you have to, like, make an account and stuff, and that's irritating. But that's, like, the most visible one that you can do, and it kind of goes to all the other, like, podcast apps and things. However, we just found out when researching for this question that we weren't on Stitcher, and we are now on Stitcher. And so if you want to review us on Stitcher, you can just go to Stitcher, search for our 
podcast, click on it, and then scroll all the way to the bottom and leave a review. I don't even think you have to make an account. You can just do it straight up on the page. And I think that's for, like, everybody, pretty much. So if you can't do iTunes, do Stitcher or do both, and we would love you so much. Hell yeah, go for it. If we can combat our recent bad review with some good ones, that would be wonderful. Yeah. And remember, if you leave us a review and you email us and tell us it was you and you leave us a suggestion for an episode, we'll do it. It might take us a while, but we will do it. Mm -hmm. And we'll make sure to talk about you a lot. Anyway, so thank you for emailing us, Maddie. You're lovely, and we love talking to you. You're the best. Our next one was a message. I'm assuming that was from Facebook because it's, like, weirdly formatted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say, <laughs> you don't need to give us your phone number. I don't know what the form <laughs> says, but, yeah. like, don't leave us your phone number. I'm sorry we won't call you. And um, we don't need any of your personal information. <laughs> no. At all. Please don't. You, you don't need, unless it is, like, forcing you to. Yeah, I guess if it makes you do it, but, like, otherwise. Feel free to put in zeros or whatever. Yeah, something fake. Eight five 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 five. Yeah. Do it. Um, but it was from Gami Hernandez. Thank you for phonetically spelling that so I said it right, because I would have said Gami if you didn't write it. <laughs> um, and they said, it also says your question. So I'm assuming it's, like, do you want to send them a question? You also don't have to send us questions. And Gami did not. Uh, so it's not a question, but I'm s- currently laughing along to you two. Just, ah, uh, you gals are so entertaining. If I do send a question, it'll be once I catch up, since I'm currently on episode 54. Aw, adorable, so nice. And got me when you catch up. I hope you're very excited to hear this. We're giving you I a know. shout out. You're a sweetheart. Thank you for sending us that. And uh, we think you're cool. You're so neat. And thanks, like, thanks to all the people who started at the beginning and like caught up. Or I know. Who are catching up. That is so impressive. That's dedication. Right. Because I don't do that on lots of podcasts I listen to. Like, I say I love podcasts, and I haven't done that on any of them. <laughs> the only one I've done it on is My Favorite Murder. Mm-hmm. And I think I started listening when they were only, like, at 13 episodes. Yeah. So it wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. And now we're at, like, se- this is going to be our 70, like, fourth or something, third. I don't know. Yeah. A lot. So that's some, dedication. Right. At some point, it's Thank just you. intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Hundreds of them. Like, ooh, I don't Soon know. Soon we're going to have 100 episodes. We'll have to do something. Have to do something special. Something cool. The big hundred. Anyway, thank you, Gami, for emailing us or mm-hmm. sending us a message, however. Yeah, it says from your Facebook page. So cool. You can also send us things on the Facebook page or at our email, hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We'll see it. We'll find it. We won't find you because that's creepy. And that's why we don't need your phone numbers. Yeah. And then we have one more from Alexa Reichenberg, uh, who says, Dear Haley and Alexis, or Alexis and Haley, it doesn't matter. We don't have an order. Uh, first, I am sending you this mail from my home country of South Africa. You have listeners all the way over here. Hooray. Which is awesome. Cool. Were you telling me it's like the farthest place away or something? Uh, I mean, when I was living in Alaska, South Africa is like the farthest. The opposite of the. Pretty much. Of the earth. Like if you drill right through, you'll come out. Around <laughs> like somewhere if around you go South down-ish. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, uh, so I don't know what it would be for Washington, distance. but somewhere around there. Yeah. Close, but exciting. Mm-hmm. Hello. And we're glad you're listening. I, we've definitely like called out South Africa before as like us having listeners from there and being excited about it. Yeah. Because obviously we love. Our American listeners, but you know, it's cool when people from other countries are also like, hey, you seem cool, and we'll listen to that too. Right. Thank you. Um, they say, I'm writing to thank you for all of the laughs you've provided me during long car drives to and from work, 
I'm a speech pathology and audiology student and super close to finishing my university degree. When dealing with patients, it can be very draining and emotionally taxing, but your podcast never failed to make me chuckle. Thank you for adding to my collection of random facts. I'm glad. You're I'm so glad. welcome. Yeah. That's exactly what we're here for. It's <laughs> exactly. It's, in a way, it's like intended for car rides. Oh, yeah. Because this, this came about because of our weird talks in the car. Yeah, I sent, I sent an email back to her and I said, like, we love especially when people listen to us in the car because <laughs> that's... Like when someone told us that we were funny and we should do a radio show. Yeah, like and way back when. Yeah, like when we were in high or not high school. Yeah, college, <laughs> high school when we used to know each other. Mm-hmm. No, when we were in college, <laughs> <laughs> when you were in Alaska and I was in Washington and yeah. we were best friends in high and we would drive people around together in a different place in the world. Totally. No. Anyway. Um, and she said, I absolutely love learning about European monarchs in ancient Egypt, as those are my two favorite areas of history to learn about when I should be working or planning therapy for clients, studying or sleeping. <laughs> Honestly, the best way to procrastinate. If you could please do an episode on one of these topics, that uh, she would like it. Oh, you're going to love the last couple we did. Yes. Uh, I hope that you really like War of the Roses, because I don't know that there's an episode I could do where there's more monarchs in it. Yeah. Um, I know they're all, like, mostly English, but mm-hmm. there's some French people in there. And um, there's so much, uh, they're playing, um, what's that game? Hot Potato. <laughs> Tag. It's not the one I'm thinking of. Um, musical Chairs. Uh, chairs, yes. <laughs> and then one of them dies and it gets removed <laughs> and then there's just less people. But they keep adding people. Uh, yeah. So it's really complicated. <laughs> yes. But Hot Potato is a good answer, too. That works. The crown is the potato. Yeah. And you want it really bad. It's like the, it's like the opposite. It's like cold potato. Hold cold. on to it. Ice, ice potato. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to be the one with it at the end. I don't know what's happening. But I thank all three of you for emailing us. It was lovely. And it definitely helped combat the unhappiness from having a bad review. Right. So you're all awesome and we love you. Right. And we're not against, like, critical, I don't know. No, 100%. If someone uh, wants to say, like... Reviews or, yeah. like, this is how you could improve, maybe. But. Sure, yeah. If someone wanted to actually give us, like, advice, you know, that'd be yeah. cool. But when it's just like, this wasn't for me, or this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Well, and specifically like, in the review a whole lot that I do. saw, specifically in that one, they said, like, someone already said this, and I was like, then why are you leaving a review again? Like, if, if someone has already informed the public, <laughs> you don't have to do it, too. Because people didn't listen, Alexis. You're pulling down our average man. <laughs> they keep going into the meat grinder. Maybe read reviews before you listen to podcasts. <laughs> they keep going into that laughy meat grinder, and we keep laughing, grinding them up. I don't like... Okay, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> just delete all of this. <laughs> I can't, because of the thing. Oh, you just mean the meat grinder part? All of it. Oh, just delete the podcast. We're canceled. Just delete the podcast. They were right. Okay. They were right. But let's get into the meat. More meat. We got the meats. Where's the meat? Just like Arby's. Sponsor. <laughs> uh, so I want to specifically thank today History Uncaged, which is a website I found uh, when I was doing the Pastry War. And they have a whole bunch of like random topics on there. And literally, Haley and I just went through and divided them up between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> to research so that we wouldn't have anything overlapping, we wouldn't read the same ones, so that we're all good and kosher. So, thank you. And I got this idea from you also, but it was like, it, it, his talked about specifically, I, should, I shouldn't say his, I don't know who they are, who runs that blog. Um, 
But they talked specifically about one of these uh, slave escapes that was interesting to me, but there's not enough information on it to be its own episode because it's just not, like, super detailed. Uh, so we're going to do, I think, five slave escapes. Five. Five. But we're going to start with Lewis Williams, who was the boy who inspired me to do this. Lewis? So when Lewis was a boy, his family escaped from slavery in Kentucky, and they moved to Cincinnati, which was like an anti-slavery stronghold at the time. Cool. So they, they just regular escaped, ran away. I don't know exactly the specifics. And then um, he was free boy. The free, end. Just like that Leonard Skinner song. Free yeah. boy. <laughs> free boy. My favorite one. <laughs> I don't know why it says this this way. But it says, after Williams grows to manhood, in quotations. Why is it in quotations? I don't know. He did is he, a dude. Did he not? <laughs> no, I'm sure he did. Uh, is, was he only like 13? I don't know. It just says he, he fell in love with a girl and uh, he's like wondering if his feelings are reciprocated when he's an adult, right? So he grew up in, or he grew up in Cincinnati, and he falls in love with this woman, and he's like, "Oh, how do I know if she loves me back?" You know, which is like that's a normal question. Lots of people have all the time. Yeah, like any everyone on Tinder, mm-hmm. <laughs> do they like me back, <laughs> or is it all fake? We matched. Ah, I grew to a manhood. Yeah, and then now he's like ch- chatting with her, but he's not positive if her emoji use means that she loves him. Mm-hmm. And so, what do you do when it's, like, the 1700s or 1800s? Well, which one? And you're curious. I don't actually know what day this is. Oh, like, anywhere? No. I mean, it doesn't I'm assuming in the 1800s. That much. Sure. It matters a little bit, though. But so, you're curious about this person being in love with you in the 1800s. What do you do? How do you find the answers? Um, waterboard them. What? No. Uh, what? I mean, yikes. Uh, like surfing, you know. Uh huh. <laughs> totally. Uh, flowers? <laughs> no. I mean, that's a good way to, like, I don't know, tell them you like them. Uh, you could ask. <laughs> what? What a, <laughs> a marvel of an idea. <laughs> ask them if they like you. Um, that's a, gr- a great idea and the most effective way to do it. That's the way, like, no human has ever done it that way. Oh, I do it that way always. No human so. has ever done it that <laughs> I'm way. I'm not human. I'm not human. I mean, spoiler alert, there's Whoops. been no human in the production of this podcast. <laughs> ever. Ever. But that's not what Williams does. He goes to a fortune teller. That makes so much sense. And Tell actually, more people do that even nowadays than people just ask. That's true. Yeah. They'd rather go to fortune tellers. Yeah. They or to... they just give, like, your friends a rundown of everything they've ever done with you. Yeah. And then your friends help you determine. And you take a quiz on Cosmo. That's we... our version of fortune teller. <laughs> like BuzzFeed quizzes. Yeah. Do they like me or no? Mm-hmm. What's their birth date and where were they born? And then you can do a whole astrological map. Right. And people still life. use psychics to make their decisions. Yeah. Um, mostly they're just like phone psychics and stuff. Phone. Phone. On the food. Technology. He's not on a phone. So he goes in person in his early 20s um, to a fortune teller to be like, hey, does she love me? And uh, the fortune teller is like, well, you have to tell me like your whole life story for me to really get to that. Over the course of six sessions. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and so he tells her all about escaping from slavery and where he's oh, from. Oh, don't do that. Like what state he's from. Don't. And so she contacts his old slaveholder. What a good, like, undercover <laughs> snitch thing to do, yeah, though. Yeah, right? That's kind of incredible. Um, Very evil, but kind of incredible. Yeah, she, she gets a hold of him and says, hey, I'll, if you pay me some money, I'll tell you where he is. You're right. And so he does. And she does. And she gets paid. But, so now they know... Where he is. And the slaveholder goes to Ohio, and he's put on trial to be extradited back to Kentucky. Right? For, like, escaping slavery. Oh, okay. Because because of, yeah. like, Ohio's laws about, like, anti-slavery uh-huh. and being, like, a stronghold, it's like they have to prove that they're supposed to be there, basically, in court. Sure. So he's, like, the defendant, and the prosecutor is, you know, representing the other guy. Uh, who's like, hey, he's my property. Give him back. Crazy. And so, I mean, better than literally just going to another state and grabbing him. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. But Williams is lucky because he made friends with this man named, uh, it's going to get confusing. His name is William Troy. Mm. So Williams is Lewis Williams, and his friend is William Troy. <laughs> so we're going to call him Troy. Troy. So Troy is a preacher. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a friend of William's, and uh, he's got a lot of feelings about slavery specifically. He's black, too, and he's free. And he has a big heart as far as, like, helping people um, be free and stay free. And so he offers Williams to stay at his own house while this trial is happening. And that is an issue mostly because... There is a law against keeping and harboring a fugitive slave, which is a violation of the law of the federal government. I mean, I think you got to prove he's a slave first for it to be a... Right, but if they do, then they're going to get him, too. Oh, sure. And it's punishable by six months in jail and a $1,000 fine. Mm. $1,000 at the time is a lot. So, I mean, six months in jail is not fun, but I think the $1,000 is worse. Yeah. Especially when you're a preacher. But he's like, I'm willing to take that bet. And when they're at court, um, on the day of the trial, Troy brings a friend. Mm-hmm. And his friend looks a lot like Lewis Williams. Like, oh. almost indistinguishable from him. That's weird. In some ways. And so, they dress him up in, like, basically the same outfit. And they put a big hat on him. And Lewis is there at the beginning of the trial, but he gets on the floor and, like, crawls out between women's skirts and stuff and just sneaks out the door. What? And they continue having the trial for, like, a couple hours before someone goes, wait a minute, that's not him. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. And then the judge is like, okay, everybody go home. We have to find the right guy (laughs) before we can do anything. Oh, my gosh. So, bye. And where did Lewis go? I mean, up a whole bunch of women's skirts. <laughs> Not up their skirts, through their skirts. Mm, gotcha. <laughs> no, he, he sneaks back to uh, William Troy's house, right? Mm-hmm. But now the problem is the cops are like, they know that he escaped a couple hours ago. And they're hanging outside of Troy's house. Mm-hmm. Because they know he's probably in Troy's house. Because Troy's the one who brought the other guy. So it's like real linear line of thinking here, you know? Mm-hmm. Even 1800s detectives can do that. 
And so... <laughs> so down on him. Even they could do this. I mean, let's be honest. They're not great at crime solving. <laughs> so, But even they can follow simple logic that connects to A to B. And so when Lewis is at the house, Troy goes home. Uh, and they don't have... I don't think they have, like, actual probable cause to search his house. Like, they're not sure he's there. Um, and there's, I don't think he's breaking any other laws so they can't just go in his house, but they're hanging outside waiting for Lewis to come outside. And so when Troy gets home, he has a dress and, uh, like tool to put under the dress and he and Troy practice, or he and Lewis practice, um, like walking like a woman (laughs) and like holding yourself up like a woman would do. And they get him a big old hat. Beautiful. And, uh, he apparently walks out of the house dressed like a woman. And I believe that William Troy had a daughter or something. So they thought it like, there was a reason there would be a woman coming out of his house. Right. They were like, you know, no one, no woman's gone in there in like (laughs) weeks. No woman lives there, but (laughs) there's one coming out. So it's probably Uh, fine. Yeah, I think he has a daughter or something. And they borrowed someone else's dress so that it would actually fit Lewis. And uh, he's said to have waved to the policeman who waved back to this lovely woman. And then he escaped to Canada. Mm. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, And we know that story and multiple other slave escape stories, specifically because of William Troy, because he kept, uh, like, an account of Mm. a lot of the... Because he also moves to Canada, I believe. And um, helps slaves escape up there so that they're just, like, completely free from the American, you know, any sort of slavery system happening right, there. Right, It's the safest place to be. Just run to Canada when you well when here's bad. William Troy. Yeah. And Canada. And so uh, he gets up there and he publishes a book of, like, different escapes and, like, how he, his life was growing up. So I want to talk about him really quick. Uh, since he's our historian and why we know these things, which is pretty sweet. Or at least, like, some of them. Uh, his father was a slave, but his mother was a free person of color. And because the status of children is determined by the status of their mother, Troy was also free. Which I didn't know that was the way it worked. So mm. that's cool. Uh, I mean, it sucks that your dad was a slave still. But good for you. But so he, like, has a very close connection to, like, slavery and being enslaved. And I'm sure that was really hard on him. So it, like, makes him, you know, care a lot about that. And I'm sure, like, most free black people really cared you know, because it's, sure. like, still they're people and terrible, and, like, that could easily be me. But especially when your dad was a slave, mm-hmm. and it's, like, the only reason you got out of this was because of, like, a weird specific law about which, you know, that it's, like, a maternal instead of a paternal thing. It's, like, it could have easily been the other way. And so uh, he provides the tale of this escape in, um, it's called Hairbreadth Escapes from Slavery to Freedom, this book, in uh, <laughs> what a good title. 1861. All things considered, not that long ago. No. But, uh, yeah. Good job, buddy. You made it. Now we're going to talk about Henry Brown. Mr. Brown. In 1849, he is an enslaved man in Virginia, oh, and he no. escapes to freedom by mailing himself. That's such a good idea. It's brilliant. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Have these ideas. I'm like, that's so smart. Yeah. What? Why didn't other people do that? It's like they don't have the balls <laughs> or know the right people, possibly also. Um, and so he crams himself into a crate that is only three feet long and two feet wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is five foot eight and 200 pounds. So he's not a small boy. Well, <laughs> 
What's the what's the fiction for who what is in there? What's in that box? I'll tell you in a second. So his carpenter friend makes the box that he's supposed to fit in. And he's able to like contortion himself into it, even though it's way too small for him. Uh, and it's uh standing. Like it's tall tall box. So he has two friends. So he he I think is having a friend who's also enslaved help him, or like who is formerly a slave, and then some white dude is also helping him get away. And so they put him in the crate, and they carry him, and they take him to the offices of Adams Freight Company and claim the package is dried goods <laughs> okay. from Virginia on their way to Philadelphia, of where there's no slavery. Yeah. And so uh, the problem is <laughs> with this, I mean... There, there are many potential problems. There are many problems. But the, the problem that he runs into is that the workers ignore the uh, sign on the box that of, says this side up. Of course. Because they don't care. They always it's ignore it. It's dried goods. Like, why it does can it... can move around. Why does it matter? Um, but they're plastered all over the box and they don't care. Uh, which... I want to say, having worked at FedEx, it's really important that you listen to those people who move packages. <laughs> like, you need to. Because a lot of times, it's there for a reason. I used to put, like, 20 stickers on a box, and I'd be like, do this. And it makes people really mad if you don't put, like, a butt ton of stickers on it. <laughs> Just fair. Because this happens. Uh, and so <laughs> This happens. Gets, there's a person in the box. There's a person in the box. And they get very uncomfortable. And so he gets put in there upside down. Mm-hmm. Which is not good. Uh, you can't sit upside down for a long time or you'll die. <laughs> or at least you'll be very uncomfortable and have bad medical problems. So uh, he can't let anyone know he's in the crate. But now he's upside down. And he has to remain standing on his head for 20 minutes until he's like positive he's alone. Right? That he's alone in the back of his truck or whatever. And then he claimed that that experience almost killed him. That Just trying to flip in the box mm. not even being in the box and traveling like that the part that was the problem was that they put him upside down and he had to like turn himself the other way oof yeah and, and because like you know how when you sit on your head for like even a minute you start getting a head rush and you're like wow why am i doing this <laughs> yeah why am i upside down that's stupid mm-hmm. that's 20 minutes it's a long time to be on your head and have to be like perfectly still yikes Oh, and he says he was barely able to cling to consciousness long enough to save himself to, like, actually switch back up. Because, yeah, you'll just pass out. Yeah, I feel like maybe people have tried this before. Uh, and died. And they just got delivered as, like, a body. Yeah, in it's a possible. Coffin. Very possible. And it says, as someone of the sources said, which does tend to overshadow the equally impressive fact that he somehow managed to right himself without getting out of the box. I thought he was just going to, like, topple over. No. No, he, like... Flipped himself yeah, around. Yeah, he, he flipped it and reversed it, man. Which mm. is impressive, because I'm going to let you know, listeners, the other day, uh, after church, there was, like, a wasp on my car, on my car door, and I'm, like, really afraid of, like, you know, bee-type creatures who could sting me. Uh, for some reason, I have an irrational fear that I am, like, allergic to them, even though I've never been stung by one, but that's why I don't know, so that I'm afraid of them. And also, just, it sounds really painful. And it was sitting on my car door, and I was like, I tried to, like, beep my horn to make it go away, and it didn't work. It didn't even care at all. And so I got in my passenger side door to get onto the driver's side of my car uh, while I was in a dress and heels, which is quite difficult, but not nearly as difficult as this. 
And I'm very impressed because that was like painful and difficult for me to do. <laughs> this man is like very flexible, very folded up, very small, and still somehow flipped himself over. Bravo. Bravo. I'll let you know now because I want to let you know earlier because it's a spoiler. His nickname is Henry Box Brown. <laughs> uh, Mr. Box. Mr. Box. That reminds me. Uh, my dad knows or knew a girl who tried to mail herself to Freddie Mercury. Oh. In a, in a box. Don't do that. Uh, don't do that. No. Which sounds... That- like a really terrible idea because they're from Wisconsin. No. <laughs> like, don't do that. It's like, uh, I feel like you would die. Yeah. Uh, he's like, no, she like, she flew to England first. Oh, okay. That's better. And then put herself in a box and just had herself delivered. But of course it's Freddie Mercury. So he has people open his mail. Open his mail. I'm amazed that she just was in the box and got there mailed. No problem. Yeah, and she got there, and just, like, random butler mail openers are yeah. like, oh, there's a girl in this one, too. In this one, too. I'm like, England, you need a better post office system <laughs> if girls can just mail them. Uh, you probably have a better one now. That was a while right ago. Right now. Because, you know, he was, Freddie Mercury was alive. Right. They stuff. went through a, a series of really, really big superstars, and they had to change their mailing system. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, Henry was in that box for 30 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and he spent half his life savings to do it. Worth it. Yeah. I mean, free, way, worth way wor- freedom. Way worth it. But, like, maybe that's the other reason why people don't do it very much, is it costs a lot. Mm. I have a different source that says it's 27 hours. I don't care. More than a day. <laughs> Just because that movie came out and I had to get the, <laughs> the SEO optimization. <laughs> Lots of hours. Mm. They should do a movie about this guy yeah. in a box, upside down. They can do it Exciting. with... Exciting. With what's-his-face clinging to a rock and cutting himself loose right. for 27 hours. They can do a man in a box. James Franco. Yeah. Come on. Oh, so he went. He mailed himself to Philadelphia to the home of abolitionist James McKim. Hmm. I wonder how many boxes like this he got. Surprise! It's me! <laughs> it's me! Hooray! Brown immediately adopted Box as his new middle name, which is adorable. I love that it wasn't like people called him that. He's like, I'm going to be called Box. And he embarked on a hugely lucrative lecture tour while supporters of slavery fumed impotently. Nice. So he just goes across the north preaching about escaping in a box. And the, it what just, a nerd. Just out of reach and ticking off every, like, slave owner is, oh, it's so good. However, this also infuriated Frederick Douglass, who wanted Brown to keep the details of his escape a secret. So that uh, other yeah. people could do it. I suppose. So he's like, thanks, dude. Mm-hmm. It's like um, they make that joke in Buffy about how Dracula talked to Bram Stoker. And so, you know, and like exposed all of their secrets and the ways they get murdered. So he's like, <laughs> thanks, dude. Yeah. It's like that. So he's like, come on, man. What? We could have had other people escape this way and you ruined it. And he's like, yeah, but I needed money. I spent half of all my money in the box. Mm-hmm. <sighs> However, less than a year after this happened, so while he's doing his lecture circuit, uh, he was forced to flee to England because of the passage of the Fugitive Slave Act Mm. of 1850. It required that all escaped slaves upon capture be returned to their masters and that uh, officials and citizens of free states had to cooperate. It's so ugly. Uh, Yeah. Abolitionists nicknamed it the Bloodhound Law for the dogs that were used to track runaway slaves. 
Uh, he did return to America in 1875. I'm assuming that we didn't have that law anymore. And he started a new family. Oh, that's nice. So it's a happy ending, even if that law is, was really stupid. I mean, obviously slavery was bad in general, but like that law was just extra dumb because it's like states had already chosen that they weren't going to do anything about it. And they're like, well, now you have to. Yeah, well, now we'll just come up to your house and take them back. Well, guess what? Time for war. Because <laughs> we're sick of it. Uh, this next one is Robert Smalls. And he, uh, his story was actually recommended to me by Lane on our Facebook page. Uh, so thanks, Lane. And uh, I, found about, or I found out about him kind of in an unrelated way. Because I think I was doing research on this already. And then he sent me that. And I was like, hey, that's that guy. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'll include him too. And his is pretty fun. So in 1862, um, there's a Confederate naval vessel called Planter. What? Its, it's name is Planter. It's a terrible name for an aquatic vessel. I mean, the Confederates named it. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Ah, uh, losers. It le- <laughs> Literally. It leaves Charleston, and it's being navigated through all these mines in the harbor, right? They've got hidden mines everywhere, mm-hmm. so you've got to know where they are to actually be able to pilot this thing. It passes by guns on Fort Sumter, and the captain, in his trademark white naval jacket and straw hat, cheerily waves to the guards before giving the secret signals that prevented them from blowing a ship up. Cool. So you've got to have a lot of information if you want to pilot, you know, or captain this boat. <laughs> what if you you just, like, ah, uh, you just, like... What if you're too drunk and you, like, messed up and then they blow you up? It's like, well, I forgot. I mean, I recognize him. I mean, it is Charles, but, like, he didn't do the signal. Should we blow him up? Yeah. I yeah. hate Charles. He's stupid. He's always drunk. <laughs> and what do we do with a drunken sailor, Alexis? Blow him up. <laughs> blow him up. <laughs> the Confederates <laughs> will blow you up. Anyway, but then the boat, they, they can see it, right, for quite a distance. And it's like going out and going out and going out. And it reaches the point where their guns wouldn't be able to hit it anymore. And then it takes a hard turn north. Uh-huh. And they're like, what? What? What is happening? Oh, we've been fooled. And suddenly it's heading for the Union. <laughs> that And the uh. captain of that boat is Robert Smalls. And uh, one of my sources, pardon my French, says, and he was stealing the shit out of the planter. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Hell yeah. And I want to say Robert Smalls is kind of handsome in his younger days. He's pretty handsome. He's, he's kind of a hot man. Yeah. He's a historical hottie. Yeah. Haley and I have extensive conversations about hot people in history, Mm -hmm. and he's on the list. He's Mm -hmm. one of them. And stealing a Confederate ship is extra juice. Oh, yeah. Mm. Just that extra tang. It's good. Delicious. It's a kick in the face, mouth, tongue, heart, heart, soul. Tang. It's a kick in the soul. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, Smalls was, uh, at the start of the war... He found himself in one of the groups of slaves that are forced to work in the Confederate Navy. Which, how rude. How rude. Like, I know that you're already taking their whole lives and basically torturing them, but now you're making them fight against people who don't want them to be enslaved. That's ballsy, honestly. It's terrible. (laughs) Like, how could you even begin to trust any of them not to sabotage you at a moment's notice? I mean, they shouldn't clearly... (laughs) Robert Smalls did. You shouldn't. 
<laughs> and also, like, I guess just because they're worried about dying. Because if, yeah. like, they shoot somebody, then they're just going to get shot. Uh, but I also, like, kind of understand that the Confederates would have to use them because they don't have enough people otherwise. They don't. They are not. They're getting it's, wrecked. They're so sparsely populated with white people comparatively to the North in the South at mm-hmm. the time that it's like, if they don't have the slaves to supplement, then they're not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. That's what the freaking three-fifths compromise is all about in the beginning, right? right? It's like, we don't have enough white people, so we don't count <laughs> estates anymore, really. Yeah. So the black people have to count for something, even though they're my property. Mm-hmm. What? What? <laughs> we want it all. Yeah, right. You can't have both. It's just not fair. Are they people or are they not people? Make up your mind. Because if they're people, you don't get to keep them. And if they're not people, you can keep them, but they don't count. Yeah. You don't get the votes. In which case, we get to vote them into being people anyway. So. So so you lose. They count as three pits. You lose. Annoying. Yeah. Anyway, so while Robert Smalls is working with the Navy, he takes this opportunity to memorize the signals between forts so Mm -hmm. that you are cool, you know, and they're like, yeah, go. that boat can go ahead. Anyway, so he's memorizing the signals so that he knows what's going on. And he, like, makes note of where the mines are in the harbor so that he can not blow up. Uh-huh. Uh, and that wasn't hard because he had laid most of them himself. Nice. Nailed it. Don't let them do these things. <laughs> like, the secret things? It's so weird that they lost. Why don't you just, like, make them cook or something? <laughs> you know? Why are you having... I guess placing mines is probably dangerous, so it's probably like, well, if they die, it's whatever. Right. They're like, but he didn't. Expendable. And then he knew where all the mines were. Mm-hmm. So you're an idiot. Now you're screwed. Well, they think that, like, black people are stupid because mm-hmm. they're not going to school. But that doesn't mean they're stupid. Right. They're animals. And you're going right? to school and you're still stupid. So. Um, Fools. He, and he stole, before he left, he stole every Confederate naval secret he could find. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Good. Good. Uh, his white crew members are think he's, like, the best. Yeah. And they're so, like, super into him. Hell yeah. That they make an uh, unexpected stop to, like, go get drunk in some town. <laughs> and they're uh-huh. like, you can just watch the boat. And he's like, yeah, great. Sounds good. Cool. <laughs> no. And so uh, they trusted him to stay at the boat, and he's like, yeah, totally. And so he immediately gathered 12 other slaves that he could find and their families Mm -hmm. and um, left. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Enjoy your shore leave forever. Uh, And staged this as his famous defection to the Union, who were grateful enough to give him permanent command of the planter. Hell yeah. Making him the only black captain of the war. Ah, so good. Amazing. Tasty. Mm. And I love that it's like he doesn't just bring, like, the people he can find, I guess. Right? It's like he brings them and their families. And he's, like, just trying to pile that boat in with people. Because he's like, as many as we can get over there, the better. Probably fit quite a few. Right. Twelve people and their families. That's a lot of people, probably. Um, Oh, so once he gets to the north, he gives... You, the union, all the secrets he found, so that's why they're, like, real into him. I mean, they're just into him generally because they probably think it's hilarious and it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but also he's got all these uh, secrets yeah. that are super useful, and he knows, like, the codes and that whole harbor where all the bombs are. Mm-hmm. So if they can get in there, good times. Right. I mean, they'll probably change the signals. I don't know if they could move the mines. Maybe? Mm. I feel like probably not once they're set. 
in the 1860s? You know, I'm not really read up on my Civil War aquatic mine technology. Yeah, I'm not a Civil War historian, so I don't know. I'm not like an old white dude. (laughs) Yeah, so whatever. Yeah. But I'm sure he gave them lots of stuff that they were like, this is cool beans. You're awesome. Be a captain. Uh, He became a hero in the North and played a big part in persuading Abraham Lincoln to allow slaves to join the armed forces. Well, yeah. So cool beans. He's chatting with the Lincolns. He's like, hey, buddy, look how cool I am. We all could be on your side. Look at my cool boat. Yeah. And obviously when it says allow slaves to join the armed forces, they mean like people who have run away from slavery. Mm -hmm. Not slaves anymore. Because those people were in the Confederate Army, obviously. Because he was. Anyway, now we're going to talk about Eliza Harris. Eliza. Yes. And in 1838, she's racing on foot through the snow, and she can hear dogs barking and chasing her, and she's running away. Ba dogs? Ba dogs. Who let the dogs out? Ba, 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 ba. Slave owners. (laughs) So she's running, 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 and people, you know, slave catchers are chasing her, and she gets to the Ohio River, uh, and she looks at it, and it is, despite the fact that it's winter and it's freezing, generally, it is not frozen. It's flowing, which is a problem, because it'd be much easier to cross if it was frozen. Uh, and she's trying to cross from, I don't know what state, but to get into Ohio is what I'm assuming, since Ohio's like the safe haven. And there are, like, ice flows in the water rushing down. But she's like, that's not going to work, because... She is carrying her grandchild, who is an infant, with her. So she finds a nearby house to just squat in, that I I guess no one's living in, and hoping that the river will freeze, or, like, that she can figure out a new way to do this, because, like, this is not great when you have a baby. Like, she could probably cross it by herself and, like, maybe be okay. I don't know. She might get, like, some frostbite or something. But it's a lot harder with a baby. And so she waits in there and then keeps checking, but the ice isn't getting any better. It's actually getting worse. And the next day she can hear them coming again. Like she can hear the dogs close and the men yelling. And she even, I think, hears them say her name. And so she knows they're there for her and is like, well, crap. Gotta do something. And so... I have a quote that says, instead of, like, turning around or, like, whatever, doing anything else, uh, she strapped the baby to her back, climbed onto the ice, and leaped from flow to flow across the river like it was a gosh dang Mario level. Hell yeah. (laughs) I want you to know this is an exaggeration. I'll tell you what actually happened in a second. I mean, it's possible. That's what the Alaska natives do all the time. It is possible, but according to a different source that's less jazzy, that's not what she did. (laughs) Less jazzy. Uh, that source also said this was more like trying to jump, like, they're trying to describe what it's like trying to jump from ice flow to ice flow. Um, and they said it's not like icebergs that are big and slow and solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was more like trying to jump from a bucking surfboard onto a moving shark if both things were made of wet ice. Because <laughs> they're moving really fast, they're really, like, unstable, and it's awful. Um, so a different source, though, told me what she would do was... Or I guess she might have been doing this sometimes, but it says at times. So at some point during her journey across this river, uh, a chunk of ice would sink. 
because it was just wouldn't hold her weight beneath her, and she would be waist deep in freezing water. So it's not like a super deep river, but it's very cold and fast. And so uh, she would she'd hold the baby up above her head and then put it on the next <laughs> ice flow ahead of her yeah. and then try to get up um, so that the baby's okay, which is like intense. <laughs> Especially when you're already freezing. <laughs> Here, baby, you you go on. <laughs> you go. Yeah, it's like Moses in the basket, <laughs> but it's like baby on an ice floe. I'll catch up. Uh, and when she reached the other end of the river, th- there was a problem also, just with her crossing in general, that there was a slave catcher on the other side of the river. Oh, that's not fair. Literally just <laughs> waiting for her to get there. That's so unfair. <laughs> So she's, and and yet she's still doing this. So she's still like, I'm going to be able to do this. I can get there. I can get away. And uh, she wouldn't be in this episode if she doesn't get away. Right. So. I mean, if there's just one guy on the other side, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to go over there. When I get there, I'm going to beat your ass. Kick him in the balls and run with the baby. (laughs) Um, So she gets to the other end of the river and the slave catcher is waiting to capture her and take Harris back to her master and get money for it, presumably. But after seeing her do this, like, super heroic, awesome feat, he's just kind of, like, amazed at what just happened. (laughs) And he literally just points her into the direction of freedom. He's like, go that way. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Just stands there and is like, over there. That's where you want to go. You clearly want it more than I want it. (laughs) Yeah. You want to be free more than I want to capture you. That was amazing. Yeah. You're super cool, and you almost just died to get away. So it's over there. Mm -hmm. Just go right there. Which is, like, kind of adorable. It's like, her awesomeness changed someone's mind about their job, basically. Right. About (laughs) their their terrible job. Their whole, like, worldview. Yeah. They, like, go over there. Um, And they sent her to a station for the Underground Railroad. Cool. Which they knew where it was, I guess. And they were like, go over there. So shout out to the Underground Railroad and Harriet Tubman. Hey, baby. Hey, babe. I don't know if she was specifically involved in this one. She's but everywhere in everything. She is everywhere <laughs> and in everything. Yeah. And everything Underground Railroad related. The omnipresent, omnipotent Harriet Tubman. <laughs> Mom of the railroad. Yes. Uh, and if this sounds familiar to any listeners or to you, I, it didn't to me. Her escape inspired a scene from Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin. Never read it. I haven't either. Uh, but apparently the heroine of the story is named after her. I've, uh... I was in the pit orchestra for uh, The King and I. Okay. And they they do like a palace rendition of Uncle Tom's Cabin. It's like a play within a play. Yeah. Okay. So that's the only version I know. I literally know nothing about it. And they do have a part in it that's like very soft where it's just like people ice skating. Oh, cute. I wonder if that's hmm. what that is. Probably not. Uh, but Maybe. But I think it's I think it's that play within a play. It's not it's inspired by. Yes. Of course. Okay, now our last one, my favorite one, just for the ridiculousness, is Ellen and William Craft. In 1848, a slave from Georgia named William Craft planned a brilliant escape because he was married to Ellen Craft, who was very light-skinned. Mm. And she can pass for a white person. She can pass. Yes. Um, Because she was the daughter of a white slaveholder and a black female slave. Mm -hmm. And just got mostly white. You know. Which happens. Like uh, like Thomas Jefferson's kids. Yeah. (laughs) You know. They didn't know for a long time until they started, white people started having black babies. (sighs) It's so gross. And they were like, what is happening? (sighs) 
But because of that, she can pass for white. And so they were like, great, we'll pretend that you're, which meant pretend, you know, because mm-hmm. she probably is. We'll pretend that you're my master <laughs> and we'll be chill. You know, like they'll just think you're traveling with me somewhere and it's fine. Mm-hmm. There's a problem with this plan, though, Haley. What is it? Uh, where does it begin? Oh, my gosh. She's a woman. Yeah. And white women don't travel with black male slaves. Yeah, it's a big alone. no-no. Um, I have a quote that says, In those days, it was pretty much unheard of for a white woman to travel alone in the company of a male slave, presumably because white men were wary of the enormous sex party that would inevitably break out in just such a situation. <laughs> of course. We're all, they're all just waiting. It, well, and it's true in some ways. Like, the white men are very nervous that the black slaves are going to rape their wife. Yep. And I say rape like, you know, they could rape them, but big, also... Big quotation fingers. Yeah, like maybe they just want to sleep with them. That's like the big the big anxiety of the South. That's why, like, they're mm-hmm. so obsessed with things like, uh, oh, like King Kong. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Frankenstein as, like, a movie or a play came to the United States, it was kind of reimagined as more of a, an escaped slave situation. Right. Where it's like, oh, no, it's not that science has done this thing. It's like, oh, crap, we really need to get the beast before he rapes the women. Because mm-hmm. he's free and he doesn't have education and understand how to be people. We so now... clearly need to control him and put him back in his place. I wonder if there's correlation. wonder if this... Maybe you connected to it in a really oh. terrible way. Gross. But for the plan to work, Ellen has to be a man. Mm-hmm. So... They disguise her as a man. Cool. But she's very feminine looking. So they wrap her entire face in bandages. (laughs) They freaking invisible man her. Okay. So she's all wrapped up in bandages. And then they're like, oh, and they give her a pair of tinted glasses so you can't even really see her eyes. That's not (laughs) very obvious looking or weird. You'd think if that was an option, why would you even have to... Why would you even need a light-skinned wife for this to work? Just wrap up entirely. You hands, I guess? Gloves. That's, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, anyway. Uh, one of my quotes says, so in true wacky 80s sitcom style. Yeah. We, we wrap up her face, put on our tinted glasses, and then... Uh, just to make sure this disguise would attract as much attention as possible, they gave her a huge top hat. Yeah. You know, just as tall as it can go. Subtle. Bright green, probably. <laughs> With purple spots. Yeah, I was going to say, orange stripes. Yeah. Uh, Ellen, it, make, it makes noise if you, like, walk too loud. Right. So Ellen can't write because she's a slave. Mm-hmm. They don't teach him how. Also, she's a woman. So they double don't teach him how. And so... She can't sign things, which I feel like you should still be able to sign stuff, but I guess if you don't ever write anything, signing something's weird. People just, like, write X's. Yeah, right. And so, to give a reason why she's not going to sign her name, because she's a white man Mm -hmm. and should be doing that, obviously, uh, they put her right arm in a cast. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, I'll remind you what she looks like now. She's bandaged all on her face. She got tinted glasses on. Big old top hat. Broken arm sling. What could go wrong? (laughs) Just why? It's so ridiculous. So they board a train to Philadelphia. And they sit down. And guess who's sitting across from them? 
Oh no, is it they're like their slave owner? A close friend of Ellen's master. Oh no. And he keeps trying to talk to her. Oh my god. A lot. No. And then he's and he sees William and he's like, mm, do I know you? Mm. All black people look the same. Mm. You all look the same, so that's, I can't tell. That's what he should have said. We all look the same. <laughs> but yeah, he keeps trying to talk to them and she keeps kinda of like but he just keeps trying to talk to her. Can't talk due to the fire injuries. Right. And I'm sure, like, he probably wouldn't recognize William because he's just, like, kind of another black slave. But Ellen's, like, basically white. Mm-hmm. And that's weird. And so he'd probably recognize her, like, pretty immediately if he could actually see her. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, sucks. And so they're able to hide themselves well enough. He doesn't recognize them. And uh, he gets off the train at some point, so he leaves them alone. <laughs> but because he kept trying to talk uh, to her and she yeah. didn't want to answer, she had to pretend she was deaf. Mm. Cool. So now she's wrapped in bandages. She's got tinted glasses on. Her arm is broken. And she's deaf. <laughs> it's been a rough week. Jeez. So they get to their stop, which is in Baltimore. And, but one of the railroad employees is suspicious of them. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine. Why would he possibly be Why suspicious of them? Why would you be suspicious? They look so normal and regular. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. And so he refuses them, or he refuses to allow William to board the train to Philadelphia without proof that he actually belongs to Ellen. Oh, you didn't bring your papers. Yeah. Your ownership papers. Because they look weird. So he's like, ooh. Really? Are you kidding? But the other passengers are so sympathetic to the thought of this clearly ill young man <laughs> wandering around Philadelphia without his faithful slave who needs to take care of him. Right. That they insist that both of them be allowed to board. And they they got him done. That's fair. And now they're free. Yeah. Good job. Uh, townsfolk. A- accidentally nice townsfolk. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine Baltimore. Wait, was it Baltimore or Boston? They were, the last stop was Baltimore. Yeah. They were trying to get to Philly. Baltimore's never done anything good on purpose. Sorry, Baltimore. I mean, these are people possibly not going to Baltimore. Oh, okay. Maybe they're visiting. Mm. We don't know where these people are from. They're on the train. That's true. But anyway, that was my last one. William and Ellen Craft. They are a crafty bunch. They are crafty. They are especially crafty. They made Ellen into a craft project. They invisible manned her, (laughs) which is amazing. And like quiet manter and broken yeah. broken manter. <laughs> Everything they could do. Rain manter. Top hat. <laughs> Top hat to her. Top hat manter. But thank you for listening, everyone. I hope those s- slavery escape stories were funny <laughs> and not too depressing. Yeah. I'm talking about slavery. It's the only way I could find to make it fun. So. Uh, yeah, slavery sucks, but there's hope. But some people are just smart. Some people, yeah. It reminds me of um, when I did that Disneyland episode with that guy who has his ladder <laughs> the guy and his the charging ladder. bunny. Yeah. yeah. It's like some people are just so inventive that I'm just like, great job, bravo. You can't, you can't let evil win. And especially when they're like, black people escaping slavery, I'm like, hell yeah. I like do that what we're, you gotta do. We're comparing the slavery machine to Disneyland in this <laughs> comparison. <laughs> and a man with a ladder is like the escaping slaves. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, really, Disneyland <laughs> is like the promise. Disneyland is the north in this. Oh, yes. okay. Everything outside is gotcha. the bad place, right? Because they're trying to get in. Mm. So, gotcha. I guess Disneyland is good in this one, not bad. America is bad. <laughs> America. 
America, you disappoint me sometimes. Anyway, thank you for our emails from Gami and Alexa and Maddie. Matt. We think you're all wonderful. And if you guys want to send us emails, email us at hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com or send us a message through Facebook. And if you'd like to leave us a review, you can do that on iTunes, which would be the best, or Stitcher, which is also good. And I'll link our Stitcher thing in the description of this one, and I'll link it on our page, too. Yeah. So it's easy to find. And if you can't leave a review, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. We just love that you're listening. And even if you can't write a review, if you even just give us, like, stars, that would be awesome. Because, like, the stars show you the average or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so even if you can't write a full thing or you don't feel comfortable, you can do that and no one will know it's you. Yeah. And you just give us a boost. But if not, thanks for listening anyway. You're great and we love you. Stay uh, frosty. Stay free (laughs) from slavery. (laughs) Don't let the South keep you down. Yep. Sorry, the South. Get in a box. Get on a river. Bandage your face. Dress as a woman. Dress as a man. Whatever you have to do. Steal a boat. Steal a boat. Join (laughs) the North. (laughs) Just out of chanting. Steal a boat. Steal a boat. Steal a boat. Don't steal anything. Please don't break laws. Unless the laws are bad. What if the law is slavery, Alexis? I mean, then yes. What if it's wartime? What? I don't... Well, if it's wartime and you steal a ship and then turn to the other side, then it's just an act of war. It's not really illegal. That's true. I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's not really stealing. But let's just generally, don't just go steal boats. (laughs) Just don't just like steal a random boat. Like, it was really Probably, funny with that yeah. one lady, what's her name, where they let go of her yacht. Right, and that thing. wasn't even stealing. It was just like, they just unmoored it. I mean, it was funny, but don't do it. It's illegal, and it's not a good thing to do, even if it's funny. Even if we laughed. Yeah. Probably don't do it. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. bye. bye.